I'm glad you found your way to the Your Vet Wants You to Know podcast for more information about how to care for your pet. The show is designed to be educational and entertaining, but not to give a specific diagnosis or treatment for your animal. That job belongs to your veterinarian who knows your pet and wants to talk to you about what's going on with them. I'm here to be a resource only. Thanks and enjoy the show. As a curious pet owner, have you ever taken to the internet for more information? Maybe you want to know why your pet is itchy and what you can do about it. Maybe you're frustrated about the ear infections. Maybe you're looking for ways to make veterinary care more affordable. Instead of wading through a sea of information that may not be reliable and in some cases may be harmful, here is what your vet wants you to know. I'm Dr. Brittany Lancelotti, board-certified veterinary dermatology specialist. Join me to get the information you're looking for to care for your pet. If you're curious about your pet, then your vet wants you to know. Welcome everyone to today's episode of Your Vet Wants You to Know, in which we'll be talking about arthritis, a very common condition seen in dogs and cats. And today I have with me a special guest, Dr. Jennifer Fletcher, who is going to be talking about this disease, talking about the different options that we have available for treating these pets and helping them get a little bit more mobile in life. So welcome, Dr. Fletcher. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So tell me a little bit about your background and what got you interested in canine rehabilitation and physical therapy. What really made me find the physical therapy rehab bug was I had knee surgery sophomore year of vet school and did not receive good therapy afterwards. And I went to my surgeon and he said, well, you may just never run well again. And that to me was not the goal of me having surgery. So I rehabbed myself. And then in practice, I wanted better for my patients and realized there's a whole world of rehabilitation out there. And as soon as I could, I dove right in. That's awesome. Yeah. How frustrating that must have been for you to go through that surgery, wanting to be able to recover and get back to physical activity and hearing that, well, maybe that's not in the cards for you. Right, right. And I even said to my surgeon, my goal is to be able to run comfortably. I'm not out to win marathons, but I want to do it recreationally in races. And he didn't recognize that. So I was frustrated. And that pushed me to ask every owner I see in rehab, what is your goal? What do they want to get out of it? Yeah, absolutely. What is it that you're doing to try and maintain the pet's quality of life? Tell me a little bit about the training that goes into kind of specializing in rehabilitation. After becoming a veterinarian or a physical therapist or a certified veterinary technician, um, you can apply to one of the rehab schools. I went to the Canine Rehabilitation Institute, which partners with Colorado State University, uh, which is my alma mater twice over. It took me about a year to complete January through October. And it consisted of three trips um, to about five-day courses, and then also a 40-hour internship, and then each course had an exam, and then you had to pass your internship as well. So depending on how quickly you can get your travels done and the courses, it could be six months to a year of additional training outside your vet program. And so I've been doing this since 2017. Okay, so a lot of extra training on getting to understand the process of arthritis and how to start making these pets feel better. Let's talk a little bit about arthritis itself. 
briefly describe to pet owners what arthritis is and what's happening inside the animal's body. By definition, arthritis is just inflammation in a joint. A joint is where two bones meet and the bones end in cartilage and then they are surrounded by this tissue membrane called the joint capsule. Within the joint is joint fluid and that's kind of the oil that keeps the joint moving. Arthritis is quite complex when you kind of flesh it out, but it's inflammation in the joint, but it also affects the cartilage, the bone underneath the cartilage, the tendons or ligaments that may be involved in the joint. The joint fluid itself changes drastically when there's arthritis present. And then also the lining of the joint capsule. A lot of doctors and such always focus on the bones and the cartilage, but the joint capsule like undergoes a lot of change. I kind of word it with owners that it's kind of like the engine of a car, whether your car gets really, really old or you have a bad part, um, a screw or a belt or something, or you don't get your oil changed over time, the engine doesn't work as well anymore. Things get sticky. And that's essentially what arthritis is. It's a broken engine, if you will. I love that analogy. That's really good. So what do you think a pet owner might notice at home if their dog is starting to develop arthritis? Or what if they have a cat that is developing arthritis? What are those first clues that they might pick up on? They'll tell me that their pet seems to be slowing down and they just don't um, get up as fast as they used to. They take a while to lay down. They take a while to sit down. They have trouble going up the stairs. They go slower on walks or they don't want to walk as long as they used to if it were a dog. And they just feel like it's due to age and not necessarily arthritis or the pain from arthritis. And it causes these pets to have trouble just doing some basic movements that maybe they used to do more readily. So overall, they're just getting a little bit slower. Maybe they seem a little bit sore, not quite as active and energetic and bubbly as they used to be. Absolutely. And then cats can be a little bit tricky. And that's just true throughout veterinary medicine. Um, (laughs) But (laughs) um, because most cats aren't walked and they're just generally a sedentary species. But cats will show great hesitation to jump onto surfaces or they'll miss the jump completely. They'll start hiding more, their appetite can decrease, or even litter box problems can be a manifestation of arthritis. If the box is not in the correct location, it takes too much movement to go get to it, or it's too high-sided that it's painful to get into the box itself. An older cat that actually has litter box problems, I start to think maybe this cat has arthritis. Yeah, if it's a little tough for them to get their legs up and over the side of the box, that for sure could cause some reluctance to go in there and use it normally. If the pet is experiencing some of these signs, what might a veterinarian discuss with a pet owner in terms of diagnosing arthritis? Diagnosis for me starts um, with my physical exam or I do my rehabilitation exam. They're slightly different. But you feel the bones and the joints um, of the pet to determine if there's any abnormal thickening or swelling in the joints. We then assess the range of motion, so how much flexion or extension uh, the pet has in a joint. And there are normal ranges, at least for dogs, not necessarily for cats because they're a little bendy. But in the rehab world, um, we do have a normal set of range of motion degrees. And so I will measure that in a rehab exam. 
a dog has 140 degrees of extension in one of its knees, that's about 20 degrees off of what I consider normal for most dogs. So that would lend me to think that there could be something wrong. Or if I'm doing that range of motion and the pet is painful in any part of that range of motion, um, that will help me diagnose that there's a problem within that joint. And then once the painful area or the thickened joint or the decreased range of motion is detected, uh, we then go on to usually take an x-ray. That's um, what I have at my facility. We can look at the bones to see if there's any abnormal flex or swelling within the joint that you can see on these x-rays. And if needed, then I can always refer to a specialist that may have a CAT scan or an MRI if it's just not making sense between a a normal x-ray and a painful patient. So if it's not super clear, there's some more advanced options available, but generally an x-ray is something that's really helpful in giving you that diagnosis. And then how about cats? (laughs) Cats, cats again, um, (laughs) are a little tricky. Um, I actually did a clinical trial for arthritis and had to do so many orthopedic exams on them, flex and extend the joints, feel for thickening, swelling, pain, that sort of thing. But not always does them acting normal mean that there's not a problem. So sometimes you go a little bit based off of history with an owner. So if they're not jumping up as well anymore, then I go, okay, this is probably a hind end problem. I'll look at the lower back, the hips and the knees and the ankles of the cat on an x-ray, just knowing there still could be arthritis present. Yeah, cats definitely have a way of making it difficult for us to tell exactly what's going on with them. They do their best to try and hide their diseases and their clinical signs. So once we've gotten the answer, once we know you're dealing with arthritis, can you talk a little bit about some of the common ways to relieve the pain from arthritis, as well as some of the benefits and risks associated with them? I categorize the treatment of arthritis into two categories traditional and non-traditional. And traditional methods of managing arthritis can start at the supplement or what we call nutraceuticals. These are usually supplements using natural products to increase the joint's health and or decrease inflammation of arthritis. And these would include things like omega-3 fatty acids, the glucosamine chondroitin sulfate products. I'm going to throw CBD sort of in this category just because it has not been regulated into a drug in any sort of way. But for the most part, omega-3 fatty acids are the most effective in decreasing joint inflammations as far as uh, nutraceutical category goes. I tend to recommend dog and cat specific brands because certain companies tend to make them in a higher concentration and pets need a higher concentration than humans do in order to achieve the anti-inflammatory sort of dose. Most dogs and cats need 30 to 40 milligrams per pound of omega-3s to decrease joint inflammation. So if you take like your average 75-pound Labrador, you'll need at least 2,600 milligrams of omega fatty acids for that pet. And some dogs don't tolerate the taste of human products. Some don't like that fishy smell or that fishy taste. So the dog and cat specific products tend to be more palatable. I also recommend more of a small fish source omega fatty acid, like an anchovy or sardine based oil. Yeah, that's really interesting that omega-3s tend to be the most 
a helpful as far as decreasing inflammation because I know for skin inflammation, omega-3s are really, really helpful. So I guess I never put two and two together that omega-3s <laughs> would be the most helpful for joints as well. I certainly fell into that mindset. Oh, glucosamine chondroitin has to be the thing for joints. So thank you for educating me in that topic as well. But talk a little bit about glucosamine chondroitin because I know a lot of pet owners will reach for that also. Yeah. And, and these supplements have their place as well, but they don't do anything necessarily for inflammation. So they keep the joint fluid fluidy. Um, they prevent it from getting sticky and glucosamine and chondroitin sulfate are the building blocks of joint fluid. So if you continue to feed that into the body, then the joints use that to make sure that joint uh, fluid remains healthy. Some companies out there that are pet specific have been adding some natural anti-inflammatory ingredients to their glucosamine chondroitin products. So I think they have their place as far as joint supplements. I still recommend them. And once again, I usually go towards certain companies that are pet specific, um, knowing that studies have been done on those products. Perfect. Uh, you mentioned CBD. I know this is kind of a hot topic in veterinary medicine. Tell me about the evidence-based research that's been done using CBD for arthritis. Currently, there is only um, one study that has been done, and it was at Cornell University, and they had various ways of determining whether or not the owners felt the patient's arthritis um, had improved, as well as the veterinarians. And the summary of the study is that they feel that the dose of two milligrams per kilogram helped. They're exploring other doses, for sure, as well as the side effects. And I think it will have its place in, in arthritis management, but just not yet. Uh, there's so much variability from product to product, and there's no current regulation to know what you're getting is correct. Yeah, I agree. I think it will be very exciting to see more studies come out and give us more data for this so that we can confidently recommend, you know, certain formulations or certain products to help without worrying about the risk associated with it. Agreed. Agreed. So moving on from our nutraceuticals, tell me a little bit about prescription treatments um, so when we talk about medications, kind of the gold standard is the non-steroidal anti-inflammatory category, or I'll refer to them as NSAIDs just because it's a mouthful. There are more side effects associated with them. They are either metabolized by the liver or the kidneys, and therefore we do blood monitoring frequently if these patients are on them long-term. Most of these side effects are rare. The most common side effect I see in the NSAID category is GI upset, so vomiting, diarrhea, decreased appetite. And not every NSAID is created equal. So if one patient has a side effect on one particular brand, it is worth exploring different brands because they may handle a different brand better. So um, for cats, this is another tough category because their livers do not function like dogs. They do not handle the NSAIDs well with their kidneys either. So there currently isn't a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory medication labeled for long-term use in cats. We have only one labeled for three days after surgery, um, either soft tissue or orthopedic surgery. Oh, I feel like cats are getting left out here too. They're getting left <laughs> out of the, the dermatology world as far as treatment yes. of allergies. And they're getting left out with the arthritis too. Hopefully within the next few years, we'll have an update and we can say some 
phenomenal new uh, therapy has come on the market for cats and has changed their lives, that would be wonderful. Um, you, you know, it sounds like there's a lot of different options with different uh, medications to decrease inflammation. What about for pain? Are there different options that target just pain? Yes, there are. Sometimes in some of our older or more chronic arthritis patients, they need the multimodal approach. We use an anti-inflammatory, the most commonly used chronic pain medication for dogs and cats right now is gabapentin. It is definitely the newest hottest drug out there for use in chronic pain. Um, it works in conjunction with the anti-inflammatory, so there's no contraindication to using them together. And it has a wide dosing range and it's relatively safe. The most common side effect of this is sedation. And even we use it for some, what we call spicy cats. If they are too stressed during their visits, we'll actually use um, a higher dose of gabapentin because we want that sedative effect for them. Mm -hmm. And then there's a closely related drug called amantadine. doesn't have as wide of a dosing range, but it also attacks a different receptor from gabapentin and works well for chronic pain. And that's the one I tend to reach for if a patient doesn't tolerate gabapentin. Tramadol has been used traditionally and it's kind of fallen out of favor recently. Uh, cats, however, it's a great option for them. They do have the receptor that Travanol works against. The only downside is a very bitter taste. So we either have to hide it or formulate it so that they don't want to spit it out or start foaming at the mouth. Interesting. I was not aware of that with cats and Tramadol. Thank you for mm -hmm. that tip. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. What about other things that aren't necessarily medications? Are there ways that the pet owner can address the arthritis and get the animal feeling better, but not necessarily use medications? This is another huge category and possibly my favorite one to talk about. But the number one way to actually help with arthritis pain in pets is weight loss or just having them at an appropriate body condition. So if they're already there, great, keep them there. If they are overweight, then we got to get the weight off. It is by far the best thing that you can do for your pets. Um, but basically weight loss is about calories, not necessarily about exercise, making sure their diet is appropriate for their life stage, their calorie amount um, is low enough to achieve weight loss. And once again, this is best to do through your, your veterinarian for guidance. The best story I have about a weight loss win was this dog named Cheddar. He was um, a yellow lab who was, I hate to use the word, but he was fat. Um, and I, and I, love, I love Cheddar, but he got chubby. He had severely arthritic knees and he stood like he was a cowboy. He had just gotten off a horse. So they were just widespread and outturned and they were just so thickened. So he was your average size lab, but he was 116 pounds. Oh my um, gosh. He was so, so overweight and he limped all the time. He just, you could see him struggling in the exam room on our slippery floors. The owner said he wouldn't go upstairs anymore. She and I had a, a good heart to heart. I said, we need to get him to around 80 pounds. And, you know, the year went by and he came in at his next appointment and he was 85 pounds. Wow. <laughs> That's incredible. She did it. She did it. And I, I asked her, um, you know, like, how'd you do it? She's like, I, I, I really strictly controlled what he ate. And I said, how does he feel? And she said, he feels fantastic. 
he doesn't limp anymore. He goes back up the stairs. He acts like a new dog. Oh, that's amazing. That must have felt so good for her as the owner to see her dog get his life back, but also Um, for you as a veterinarian to see (laughs) what a big difference you made by taking the time and having that conversation with that owner. I mean, that's got to be a huge amount of work for her to put in, but what a payoff. What a payoff. And, you know, he didn't need to be on meds anymore. It, It was amazing. And the smile on my face was huge. So. That's great. Oh, that's so wonderful. So get <laughs> those pounds off for sure. Yes, yes. But besides weight loss, there's this whole category of complementary or alternative medicine. But through rehab and what I do, I use a lot of these different modalities. So there's something called low-level laser therapy or cold laser therapy. And this is the use of light at certain frequencies to increase blood flow to an area. And this has shown to decrease inflammation, pain, and aid in healing if there's actual injury to that area. We use this alone, or we can use this in conjunction with medication, rehab therapy, and the nutraceuticals. Um, we don't put the laser over an area of cancer, um, pregnancy, We don't put it over the eye or the thyroid, things like that. There's certain areas we don't want to increase blood flow. So if a patient does have a known cancer or something, then that's out for them at that time. And so we use low level laser as a part of rehab. And not only is it for dogs, but it's for cats as well. And we do basically everything your physical therapist would do for your pet. Um, So we'll do laser therapy. We use TENS where they put the electrodes on your muscles and do little slow twitches. You'd be surprised. You think it'd be something that they would absolutely hate, but they love it once they realize what's going on. Yeah, yeah, it feels great. (laughs) It feels fantastic. We have some dogs who sit in our laps and and get all ready for us to do it. So (laughs) Um, we do um, joint mobilizations. So think of kind of what a chiropractor does. Um, Those are high grade mobilizations. We treat their pain and they feel more like moving around. Then we create an individualized therapeutic exercise program and we'll get them an underwater treadmill, which is heated. So these pets actually have kind of like a spa day, but they walk um, in the underwater treadmill to help decrease the, the gravity on their bodies and help them walk better. Some of these old guys that I'll see till they're 14, 15 years of age, we've given them two to three years that they wouldn't have had. I love the concept of rehab. It's always fascinating to see these like really dramatic, miraculous recoveries when an animal has had Mm -hmm. a trauma or injury or something. But I got to tell you, those older animals who were just come in once or twice a week for maintenance rehab just to help them feel a little bit better. It was so nice bonding with that pet. Those owners would come in and they'd say, oh, yeah, we need some rehab because I can tell as soon as we leave, they're feeling so much younger and, and by the end of the week, we know it's time to come see you guys again. It really makes a huge difference in these animals' quality of life. It does. It does. And actually, an owner of mine wrote a children's book that she wants to get published, and it's called Sadie's Spa Day. And it talks about her going to our office and going through her rehab day because and that's what she calls it. That's so. adorable. I would love to read Sadie's Spa Day for sure. <laughs> It's so cute. It's so cute. I love it. Um, Um, We did a lot of acupuncture when I used to work at the rehab facility. Is that something that your practice does as well? And what does that kind of entail for pets with arthritis? We currently don't offer it. We did for a short time and then our uh, veterinarian that did it left and it's on my, my plan. This training usually takes a year or two for each of these certifications. So Mm -hmm. um, I'm kind of lining them up. 
But yeah, acupuncture has been around for 2000 years and it has helped immensely. It is non-painful and these dogs and cats and bunnies tolerate it quite well and more so than maybe humans because they don't even know that it's a needle being used. Um, And then there's this whole regenerative medicine part of arthritis management. We do platelet-rich plasma injections. We'll do stem cell injections. Basically, platelet-rich plasma is a part of the blood that you can extract from a normal blood sample from a pet. We have a certain kit that we use to extract the red blood cells off, and it's patient's blood, so no side effects. Then we inject it into the affected joint, so knees, wrists, elbows, hips, um, shoulders, and it can help these pets for six to nine months, I would say on average, some pets get a little bit more, some pets get a little bit less, but we'll repeat those injections depending on how bad the arthritis is in the joint, usually two to three injections spaced out by two weeks. And then that pet will get maybe six to nine to even maybe 12 months relief in that joint. Wow. That's Um, a significant period of time. It is. It is. Um, And we do like a little twilight anesthesia. So they're just kind of like, you know, drifting off to sleep. And then it's a quick injection. In humans, they don't anesthetize you, but in veterinary medicine, we, we need to so they can sit still. <laughs> um, but it's a quick procedure in my office and they go home that day. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, and then we also do stem cell. This is a little bit more expensive than PRP injections are. We'll take fat cells from the patient and then we'll inject those stem cells into the joint in hopes that they will become integrated into the cartilage, into the Um, joint capsule and help repair some of the damage. Interesting. So there's a lot of different options out there. Lots of different things for pet owners to consider and talk to their veterinarian about. Mm -hmm, For sure. So what are some of the big takeaway points that you want pet owners to remember? Recognition or signs of arthritis may not be what you think they are. If you have any concerns about your pet just not acting like they did when they were six and now they're 10, bring them up to your veterinarian and see if they can find any problems in any of their joints. That may be the reason why they're acting this way. Um, And then secondly, the most effective and least expensive, in my opinion, way to prevent arthritis is to keep them at a lean body weight because you feed them less food. um, So you're not (laughs) buying them as much food. (laughs) And then later in life, you're not spending money on medications or vet visits or joint supplements or blood work um, to monitor all these medications or rehab or anything like that. So if we can prevent them from getting that way, we can actually prevent arthritis. But if they wind up gaining weight, then we want them to be like cheddar and lose all of that weight. Absolutely. 31 pounds. You lost a whole dog. So (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Yeah, this has been really helpful as far as walking through arthritis and what it is and what options are available. So thank you so much. I, I really hope pet owners will use this information to kind of make a difference in their pets' lives and get them moving again. Thank you. Thank you for having me and and being able to spread the word about how many things that we can do for these pets.
Yeah, absolutely. And there's a lot of great resources that Dr. Fletcher has provided for listeners. Um, so lots of links um, to rehabvets.org, the Canine Rehab Institute, the University of Tennessee has a rehabilitation program. And then there's more information on canine arthritis resources and education, which is caninearthritis.org. So I'll have links to all of those in the show notes for people to check out if they are interested in reading more about arthritis and finding out ways to help their pets. And many family veterinarians are comfortable managing pets with arthritis. But if you want to find a rehabilitation therapist near you, you can go onto the website so that you can consult with someone who has advanced training. And then we'll have some images as well as the references for today's show on the website as well. Dr. Fletcher has provided me with some really awesome images of some of her favorite patients that she's treated in rehab over the years. Dr. Fletcher, would you like to share with the listeners who those pets are? Yes. Um, probably the most unique patient I have treated in rehab is a goat. Uh, so <laughs> she um, was paralyzed. We didn't know why, but I treat so many paralyzed cats and dogs in rehab and have gotten most of them walking again. I would say close to, to 90%. So I worked on Vindaloo, my goat friend, and she was a nine-month-old Borgo, and she was the sweetest thing ever. She enjoyed marshmallows and Cheerios, and she would bay at you if you did not give them to her quickly enough. So um, it's fun. It's fun. He's you on my toes. So. Of course. Well, I mean, that certainly made me feel good, but I still end every episode with the scratching the itch segment, which is a segment that highlights something, either a human interest interest story or a product or a website that either provides relief or just makes you feel good, hence scratching the itch. The goat definitely made me feel good. <laughs> but if you have anything else that you would like to highlight on the scratching the itch segment today. I would love to highlight a product called the Help Em Up Harness. This is the most common product I recommend to my um, pet owners. Uh, it's mostly for dogs, um, unless you have a rather large cat where the small harness might fit them. But it's an ergonomically correct harness that can go around the chest and then also around the hindquarters with handles. So it's a help for their dog, but it's also a help to them in actually lifting their dogs in and out of the car or just getting them up moving or if they're paralyzed in any sort of way in rehab, helping them through their therapeutic exercises. But these are so well made that the pets can actually live in them if they need to. And I've had some owners go out and get some copycats and they just don't work as well. So they're a fantastic company out of Colorado, which is where my heart lives after living there for 10 years. Mm -hmm. They have fantastic customer service too, in addition to their amazing products. Awesome. And we will definitely have the link for Help Em Up Harness on the show notes as well as on the website so people can find out how to get a harness for their pet who maybe needs a little bit more help with getting up and getting around. And I 100% agree with you. When I was working in rehab, we constantly recommended the Help Em Up Harness and people were just like, it was a game changer especially for those bigger dogs where they are a challenge to actually lift. It really makes a, such a huge difference for people being able to get them up so that they can get moving on their own. Yeah, absolutely. Totally agree. Well, thank you so much again, Dr. Fletcher, for coming on and for taking time out of your day to talk to everybody. I really hope people get a lot of good information out of this. 
Thank you so much. I had so much fun talking with you. Excellent. And for all of our listeners, I look forward to your next visit with Your Vet Wants You to Know. Thank you.